Hey friends, welcome to Life Together Unscripted. This podcast is for those of us who are just a bit tired of everything that looks so polished and schmick in the world. Production that's squeaky clean that you know has been practiced a million times. So we are hopeful that you enjoy the unedited and unscripted nature of this show. We can promise you that this episode you're listening to today uh, was unplanned on the front end and unedited and untouched on the back end. So we hope you enjoy this episode. This is Life Together Unscripted. Hello, Julie. How are you? Hi, how are you? Yeah, doing well, thanks. That's good. Thanks for joining me on the program today. Yeah. So how did you hear about me? Ah, yes. Okay. Well, we do have a mutual friend. I live in Geelong. Um, I'm probably not going to disclose his name at the moment, Uh, but... He said you... I know who it is. <laughs> yeah, you, you work for the diocese and your, um, yeah, your egalitarian stance might make for a really interesting conversation. He had nothing but great things to say about you. And Aww. so I just thought, um, yeah, uh, getting some opinions on that and some thoughts on that would be wonderful yeah. to hear. And so what's this podcast for? Yeah, it's called um, Life Together Unscripted. Um, so I did a season last year when COVID started um, and ended up interviewing a handful of men and then it just ended up being a whole season of men. And I always knew season two would be a whole season of women. Um, And in light of that, um, it's just taken me a little bit of time to get onto that um, train of thought, I reckon, um, in the midst of all hobbies and all other kinds of things, but very much looking forward to that. I believe you're the fifth or sixth interview uh, at the moment. And so um, it's just a handful of people, uh, Christians, especially figuring out life together. Yeah. you know, we always, um, and, and you're in ministry yourself, we get these ca- coffee ketchups and things like that. And I've always found it fascinating, the things that people, um, their stories or just the yeah. knowledge that they have. And so to get an inside look into your world um, for the yeah. next 45 minutes to an hour is probably what I'm interested in. Oh, <laughs> could be scary. <laughs> <laughs> wow. yeah. oh, no, it's great. And look, um, relative to the conversation, it's exactly that. So if at any point in time you'd love to, you know, flip the script and ask me any question about my life or my stance or anything about that, um, please feel free or to opt out of any questions as well. Um, Because it's unedited and unscripted, I always give uh, the interviewees an opportunity to do that. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, starting off, um, I, so at some point in time, you said, I want to work for the Anglican Diocese. And I'd love to know where that originated, why that originated, um, maybe just some of your background and passion and, and entryway into that world. Uh, yeah. So I've just spent the last 20 years working for AFES and um, so and worked with thinking about how to reach campuses and so really have lived in a non-Christian world, if that makes sense, in terms of really wanting to work out how we can best connect, how we can raise up um, Christians who are able to engage better with non-Christians and to really be able to articulate what it is they believe and to really help people know Jesus. So that's sort of what I've done for the last 20 years. I've been part of an Anglican church uh since we got married, since I got married, actually, I've come from a sort of Baptist evangelical uniting church background. And the first time I arrived in an Anglican church um, and we went, there was a few services and one of them, there was somebody dressed up in robes. And I'm just going, what? <laughs> Are we in another world? <laughs> like this is yeah. a whole other century. And I'm going, 
I've never seen anything like it. And all the youth group kids were helping me work out the prayer book because I'd never seen that before. And they thought I was hilarious because I just knew nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so from there we've just attended Anglican churches and my husband studied, well, we've both studied theology and I went through BCSA, Bible College of South Australia, which is I was more thinking about mission and um, and my husband was more thinking about potential student ministry and, um, yeah, had sort of come from an Anglican background, I guess. And, yeah, so we've been at an Anglican church this whole time, Greensboro Anglican Church. It's a local suburban sort of church. It's been excellent. Cool. Um, and I don't actually know much about the Anglican diocese, but somehow I've ended up there and it's a total God thing because, yeah, I, my name got put forward for this new job for Canon for church planting and, yeah, like it's a brand new thing and someone suggested me. I had an interview with Bishop Kate and at the end of it she said, oh, it's a voluntary position. I said, ah. Oh, Really love the sound of that job, but I'm not interested in a voluntary position. And I do heaps of other voluntary things. I'm not sort of able to drop them at this point. And, yeah, then she said, look, give me 10 minutes. So she rang the archbishop and uh, they worked out, okay, let's make this a bit more formal. And so, yeah, within about 10 minutes had this call to say, look, we're going to try and find the money if you're still interested. And I was like, oh, okay, I think I'm still interested. <laughs> <laughs> so I sort of couldn't back out after that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so now I'm in the Anglican system and I think I came in with low expectations because you often hear negatives, but I've actually been really pleasantly surprised by how much people want people to know Jesus and know Christ and have a real heart for mission. And I don't know, I've just actually found it quite exciting. So That's there you cool. go. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. It's funny too how you say it's a God thing because for myself, I never pictured myself working for a church. And um, the way in which I got hired was quite unique as well in the sense that yeah. I got hired on as a music director full time, um, but I don't actually sing. And so in light of that, why I was hired on was for some of the vision and some of the other leadership really? um, possibilities and things like that. And so when I interviewed for the job, they're like, how would you pull this off? And yeah. I had some different ideas and things. And um, and they're like, you know, you're probably not the right candidate. And yet at the same time, then they came back to me and were like, actually, what if we did this and kind of maneuvered and shuffled around? Yeah. And wow. And so, yeah, it, it is. So which obvious. church are you at? Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I work for City on a Hill. Um, yeah for the central team. And so I work as a creative director across all of the different churches. Ah. Um, my wife and I live in Geelong. So. Okay. All right. Nice place okay. to live. It's not the worst. <laughs> yeah. Especially this last year of COVID, it's been quite a blessing to be down here. Uh, yeah. Um, you've said so many things that I want to kind of dig into. Um, I'd love to start at AFES and we may have a few listeners that don't know that acronym um, mm-hmm. or, or aren't in that world. So could you just um, tell me what, what's the acronym and, um, and maybe just a little bit of, um, experiential what's something that you cherish about like 20 years that's that's forming that's shaping that's an identity almost you know you carry yeah. with you. that's who I am uh, if you're in something for that long yeah. and so maybe something that's dear to your heart about that time yep uh it stands for Australian Fellowship of Evangelical Students but in Victoria it's Christian Union on the ground uh, but it has different names in different unis and internationally internationally it's called IFES so 
Yeah. Um, the thing that I loved about AFES was um, it, it was basically a massive young adult ministry and you get a, you had a chance to really shape and disciple people in being people who just love Jesus and want to help others know him. So you're sort of part of that shaping, I guess. So, yeah, like I would meet up with around 15 to 20 uni students, like the sort of people who I discipled, and you just see people grow and change before your eyes. And it's quite a fast-moving time of life. And so, yeah, it really was literally before your eyes seeing people grow up and and embrace their faith. And, yeah, it was quite remarkable. It's quite a fast-paced ministry, which I also really loved. But then you had breaks in between, which go very slow pace. And um, the thing that I've really missed a lot is how much fun you have with uni students. So, yeah, like I recently got invited to have dinner with one of the guys and his two brothers and I'm going, oh, like, do you want Andrew and I to come over? And they said, oh, no, we just want you to come. And I'm going, I think I'm there just to tease them. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, no, I also knew they wanted some deep conversations about faith and the older brother. I'd had a really formative sort of conversation with the brother, the oldest one, and then the middle one. And then the youngest one, they wanted me to have the conversation with him. But, yeah, you can just get so, like, a long way with teasing students and then, yeah, you have the sort of opposite ends, really fun, really deep sort of, yeah. yeah. So I really love that. So Yeah, there's a great kind of cognition. You've got these, like, markers that, you know, yeah. teenagers and then going into young adults and all of that, and there's these transition markers of life, but they really have that uh, taking on who they want to be or or at yeah. least wrestling with that, right? Yeah, yeah. What did yeah. you, um? did you find anything particularly difficult with that time or space as it relates to working with young adults or because um, you've discipled probably adults and children and, and various yeah. ages, was yeah. there anything particularly um, hard about that or um, that resonates uh, with you? <clears throat> um, yeah, like you go through over and over and over the same conversations and it doesn't really change that much over the 20 years. So there are cultural shifts, but really, you know, who are they going to date? Like the sort of standard things that you're working through. Yeah. Yeah, by the end, 20 years ago, if I have one more conversation about this, I'm going to. Well, what's your blanket statement? You know, if you could write something and just, you know, meet with someone, what would that blanket statement be so that you could, you know, escape the hour-long conversation and just say, what's your nugget of wisdom? Yeah, uh, well, just so many things like and and not just their faith stuff it was things like getting out of bed and <laughs> being disciplined and just normal sort of and I I guess I have got four young adult children at home as well so I was just going I'm living in young adult world <laughs> Too much. I love my four young adult children <laughs> Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. That's all right. Look, take me to a different world, maybe. Zip me yep. over to the world of um, Anglican, walking through uh, an Anglican service for the first time. I've actually yet to sit through a traditional 
um, Anglican service. So tell me about robes. I'm coming to you. Um, and, and if I ask any questions today, it is truly out of ignorance. And so yeah. please, um, uh, excuse me for that, but I'm just legitimately interested yeah. in knowing more. And so um, yeah. tell me about the world of, of robes and, 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 and even what that felt like or, or what questions you are wrestling with at the moment um, yeah. when you think back to that time. Yeah, look, that was um, the morning service and we basically always attended churches that have had three sorts of services. So then the early morning has been a bit more traditional. The um, morning, 10.30 has been more the family and then 6 p.m. has been young adults and fairly low church. So I'm probably used to the end one and the family one. So that's um, what I've sort of attended um, but because I preach regularly, um, I go to the 8.30, all three services. We preach at all three. And, um, yeah, so you sort of get the hang of a traditional service and using the prayer book. Um, like, amazingly, like, seriously, the words are amazing. And it's like old hymns as well. Like, when you sing an old hymn, you just go, wow, this is, like, so rich and deep and yeah, so I think the words, weirdly, sounds a strange thing to say, but it just, yeah, there's a lot of meaning in that and there's something pretty lovely about that. Um, yeah. You use okay. the word. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. We'll, we'll just kind of, we'll, we'll yep. kind of meander as we go. Yep. Oh, and that's already a bit of jargon. Uh, the, the, the PM service was low. So could you um, yep. describe to me what is high or low or what does that mean when you say that? Yeah, uh, just, I guess, high church um, and traditional church and low church are probably the, or Catholic, high Catholic, perhaps. Um, I'm still getting the hang of the language, sorry. Sure, that's okay. And, yeah, so I'm more used to traditional rather than Anglo-Catholic, um, but traditional is just really going through the prayer book and, um the variety on that whereas low church you don't you might have a prayer from the prayer book but it's not based around it although the ideas you might might form your service mm -hmm. so yeah that's sort of my understanding but I'm actually not that much of an expert on it either but that's okay yeah. That, oh, you can tell me what brilliant. you want. We'll, yeah, we'll just figure it yeah. out as we go. That's okay. <laughs> you don't have to be the yeah. resident expert, so to speak. We'll, um, we'll just yeah. do our best. But yeah. no, so I mean, in that respect, um, maybe just experientially, tell me what did that feel like to you? So, um, you know, just walking through the doors at your first time, um, yeah. kind of seeing these different religious activities happening. Maybe yeah. you could just speak on behalf of what was that experientially like for you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, I think there's a few things going on now in terms of culturally. So um, probably when I was coming through and working with young adults, they were more into an authentic, um, yeah, I guess a spirit-led, like a bit more spontaneous sort of style service. And so a prayer book service looks like your you're brainwashed in that, you know, you all have to say the same thing together. Um, but I think there's actually a bit more at this point in time because the world's so chaotic and people are a bit unsure about the future, I feel like actually the prayer book and just the routineness and the 
Um, I guess mindfulness is sort of the language that you would use, like where are you putting your thoughts, that sort of stuff. Um, and I suspect there's a um, there's a bit more of a shift back in terms of the richness of the, our heritage and a real connection um, with God in that way. So it's interesting for me watching and seeing a, a slight shift in terms of what that means. So, yeah, just even our prayer book service has changed in terms of how it's looked upon, I would say. That's really interesting. And I, I love the way you frame that. You use the word mindfulness and look for some people that might be um, off-putting or, you know, a, a word that's not really in their, you know, vernacular or world space, worldview. But um, for myself, I actually quite enjoy um, Christian meditation and um, Bible-based meditation because um, as I pray at Lectio and things like that, as I pray, the world is so noisy. The world is yeah. so cluttered. For myself to even collect my thoughts to then sit with yeah. God it's so helpful to be led by another person. And so when yeah. it is rich in um, Bible-based, uh, you know, the saints that have gone ahead of us or literally yeah. scripture, um, it's beautiful and it's remarkable. So how did you that. get into that then? Well, it's a great question. It's funny, when I first landed here, um, I came from, a, I guess, a Pentecostal church in the States. My wife and I have been here for nine years. And um, one of the, guy, well, the guys on the ground, one of the pastors was like, you're quite spiritual, aren't you? And I'm like, I don't know, I guess, like, and it was a bit funny. Um, yeah. But I guess there has always been that um, element of um, um, spirit-led uh, encounters and desires and um, uh, just openness to what God wants to do. And so I yeah. think, um, yeah, and my mom, because she grew up um, more of a new age background, I kind of witnessed and watched some of um, her process through that. She's a believer yeah. now as well, oh, um, wow. but just kind of witnessing and seeing some of that. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose I saw some of the good in meditation at a young yeah. age um, yeah. and, and didn't mean to kind of put it into a world view or space or anything like that. Yeah. 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 And so probably just a couple of years ago, um, I was doing some biblical counseling and things of that nature and looking into just different forms of therapy for people and um, I just found that that was a very helpful space to align with uh, biblical yeah. meditation and yeah. um, that that wholeness, that wellness of the soul that um, I believe comes in different ways. You know, we connect with music through worship, we connect yeah. with preaching, we connect yeah. uh, through community, all these different ways. And this is just yeah. one more avenue um, that I found really helpful and beneficial for my own. Yeah. Journey. Well, it's, it's developing those routines and... Yeah, disciplines, I guess. And, like, you know, Jordan Peterson, for example, has become quite a huge hit. And, like, part of that is get up in the morning, make your bed. Like, it's just developing a routine. And I guess it's putting the simplicity of, like, we actually do fairly basic things in our life. And how do you actually bring God into all of that, I guess? Absolutely. And, you know, right, we, we, God has called us to Sabbath. And so what does that actually look like? Yeah. You know, there's so many different ways we could talk about this, but, yeah, yeah. but rest at the heart of it is rest, yes. you know? Yep. And, yep. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know. So what is the current day jobs? Uh, you said canon of what, what does that look like? I know the terminology yeah. and what you said, but what canon of church planning, what does that mean? Uh, well, I actually have three jobs. So okay. um, yeah, I do work for the Anglican Diocese for one day a week and I work for city to city 
um, Australia for three days a week as the Director of Mission or Engagement. And then I work one day as our young adults pastor at our church. So, yeah. Wow. Which one do you want to know about? <laughs> Man, I want, the first question I want to know is how do you diversify and how do you keep those headspaces in any given week with, with yeah. the multiplicity of those different, yeah. you know, people, um, yeah. organizations, all of that. How does that work for you? Well, yeah, I just work Tuesday to Thursday with City to City and Fridays with um, the diocese. It mostly sits in those days and I then do evenings with the young adults and I study as well. So that sort of fits all in. So um, there is actually a bit of overlap. So often the things I'm trialling with the young adults, I then help because I meet up with about 25 church planters and help them with their outreach. And I try, I often try things first and then just say, oh, this is what I found helpful, what I didn't find helpful. Find helpful. Uh, and then, yeah, there's a bit of overlap uh, in all of that. So it's, yeah, I'm finding it really fun actually with all That's the different. Cool. <laughs> That's so cool. I mean, do you have though, do, do you kind of really try to demarcate then in your brain? I'm working for this organization at this yeah. time. And is there any yeah. uh, just um, logistical wisdom you have in that, you know, because we have so many things that yeah. we're always grasping at, we're always trying yeah. to do. Is there anything that you found in the workspace specifically that's been helpful for your rhythms or? Uh, yeah, so when I started uh, my city-to-city -city job, I'm, I basically caught up with two other city-to-city um, -city people and said I just need 9 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, I just need to talk out my week and what I'm doing and I need to, yeah, be able to talk it all through. So very, two people very kindly, we all sort of met together and that just helped me start in, in the different frame of thinking and I basically have my calendar colour co coordinated in terms of what, yeah, who I'm working for at that moment. Um, yeah, you need to do that because otherwise you just get really muddled, I find, in terms of I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. And so, yeah, I just, okay, I need to concentrate on this. This is what I'm doing now. Oh, I just have to think about that later. And, yeah, so, yeah, sometimes it gets a little bit crazy, but it's mostly good. <laughs> That's good. Um, well, so maybe you can talk me through your role um, at the diocese uh, as it relates to yeah, yep. this interview and curious to know what, what you're yep. doing there. And Yeah. Uh, so I'm pretty new at this, so I'm still finding my feet and I had to write my own job description. So partly <laughs> we're just working this out. Um, yeah, in the western and northern suburbs, there's probably over the next 10 years going to be the amount of people the size of Canberra coming into those areas. So, and, the, and there's no churches basically. So that's one big issue. Um, and what do we do about that in terms of buildings, people, all that sort of stuff. Um, another area that is, we need to think about is sort of revitalizing. Like how do you, um, we, we actually have heaps of churches and going well um and there's you know vacancies but like actually how could we totally revitalize churches and really reach out to the community they're in like I just yeah I just think there's so much scope and so many opportunities uh in that space as well and how can we develop yeah things in that area uh another sort of um 
yeah, thing I'm thinking about and trying to work through is how do we generate a culture of sort of new initiatives and um, I guess a bit more entrepreneurial, like how do we create a culture of entrepreneurs and, yeah, who are good at this sort of stuff. I don't think, you know, if I was an entrepreneur, I would not be attracted at all to the Anglican shirt. (laughs) And, in fact, I've known Guy since he was pretty young and not that young, but, yeah, and, like, you could see straight up how entrepreneurial he is and what a great leader he is. Um, yeah, yeah and, good. yeah, thank God he was able to stay in the Anglican Church. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, I don't think we attract that sort of crowd. So what is it in our culture that needs to shift to actually be able to help people try things and really get going with things? So Yeah. Yeah, well, and to be able to support church. have any thoughts on that? that? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Sorry you go. Uh, oh, and... You- <laughs> you go <laughs> please go ahead Julie okay um yeah and just how do we support and encourage church planters well like not all church plants do well and yeah are there things that we can do to really help them um grow and get going and support them as much as possible so yeah super keen to really work with that as well so yeah a few different areas and yeah I think um yeah there's some good things that we can do to get things moving that's great there's two things that you've said that I want to kind of pick up on and dig into a little bit more um one would be you want to know more about Guy when he was younger (laughs) (laughs) classic you know what it's so interesting sister he's he's we um we've developed quite a good friendship and our lives are almost like if you look at it on paper, have so many similarities um, that we've grown quite close relative to a lot of those similarities and ways in which, um, uh, yeah, yep. uh, God's brought our stories together. But uh, so I, I think I'm sorted on that one. That's okay. I don't need any dirt. <laughs> but um, look, I'm interested to know why potentially you think um, there is a barrier or that it, that doesn't exist in terms of entrepreneurs or different people with different mindsets than um, melding with the Anglican church. Is it um, so like potentially why there are just barriers and, and ways to um, break that down. I mean, even um, I've just found it fascinating. I've had concentric circles and conversations around, you know, someone had this meeting and, and this is happening. And, and I, so I see a little bit from the outside lens, but myself, I, I don't picture myself enveloped in this world uh, in any way. And so I'm interested to know, how do you draw me in or how, you know, someone that's maybe on the outside or, um, is that a desire, you know, the next generation in terms of, or is oh. it, um, or when you say entrepreneur, it's just the desire to uh, bring in people who are um, desiring to church plant in different and innovative ways? Yeah. Uh, well, I think there's pros for both. So I think the Anglican church is a steady ship and, um and that will feel too slow for some people. Um, but there's some good to it in terms of it really is steady and safe and reliable. Do you know what I mean? In terms of going, there's some great things to that. Um, whereas, yeah, entrepreneurs are often fast-paced. They really see opportunities quickly. 
And there's some really great things to that, but it's how do you help them both to work together well? Because actually you need both of them. And like I'm quite uh, fast-paced entrepreneurial, but actually I work really well with slow-paced people because they're steady. They often think about things that I've never thought of Mm. and they often have all the details, which I have big picture, but they often have details that actually shift the big picture. Do you know what I mean? So I actually think we need each other and um, we've just got to work out how to do that well in terms of, um, yeah, (laughs) you can work together well is what I'm trying to do. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. No, it's so helpful and and thank you for that. I, uh, one of the things that you said as well, and I'm picking up on as a theme, so I'm uh, entering into my 40s, and as a creative director, I'm like, look, what's really interesting as I look at the nature of my job and where I'm positioned is a creative director, it's a young man's game, right? That, that's like where all the, you know, you're wanting the next and the best and the brightest and the most creative. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah. look, I think as a church, it's really interesting. Do I, how do I evolve in that? But it relates to what you're talking about, about um, some of the older churches, And so I think it's really interesting. It's not a value judgment, whether it's right or wrong in terms of, you know, do churches grow old together or do they rehash and all of that. But I'd love to know what your current thinking is on um, any of that and some of the tensions that I might not know being um, in the diocese, what that looks like to you, I suppose. Um, And how do you make people go about that decision, whether they age together or whether they, uh, I guess, rehash or revamp or seek to bring in the next generation? Does that question make sense? Mm. Yeah, oh, well, I'll answer it in a way that I think you're <laughs> asking. Okay. Yeah, in any organisation, um, yeah, there's sort of an up in terms of growth and innovation, that sort of stuff. Every single movement organisation always hits a bit of a, a spot where it plateaus. It's then working out um, to not get to the point because when you plateau, it loses a bit of energy. It's steady, but it loses that upwardness. And people aren't attracted to, I think, the plateau. They like things to be, you know, um, innovative and forward and they actually catch on to people with real vision. But actually every organisation then has to either reinvent themselves or they do a downward you start heading downwards and so uh, it's working out how to catch that well and then be able to um, move but at the same time I think I'm answering another question there's something great about actually um, growing together like we've been at our church yeah for 23 years Um, like I've got friends that we all had kids around the same time they all have grown up together they've yeah like it's just been lovely to have had that and like we there's a few of us now who pray regularly for our kids like you know as young adults like or well, we've done it the whole way through but yeah there's something just very amazing about that as well anyway yeah no I mean that's right at the heart of the tension I guess that I'm asking right you've got this entrepreneurial mindset that says keep going keep innovating um refresh rehash next generation and you've also got the wow this is beautiful uh, generational christian living discipleship and so you in your role i heard that that was i think line three of something that you're writing into your pd where in wisdom do you seek to counsel 
you know, in terms of a, a church at that at that crossroad of almost plateauing and, you know, the desire to go this way or the desire to go that way, how do you step into that space to counsel well and to, to advise and what's that look like for you? Uh, I don't know yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's the honest answer. I appreciate that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think... Well, the interesting thing is I think there is a real... Um, like at, at the at our more traditional service, we have um, quite a few older people who just are seriously amazing in terms of prayer and how they've lived their lives, their godliness and character. And I, I often think we don't engage enough in terms of the wisdom that's there and. And just that total encouragement, like that's seriously so encouraging and um, want the best for you and just encourage you on in sparing you on to love and good deeds. And, yeah, like I think the generational thing is pretty lovely. So we have a high school discipleship group and a retired clergy is going to run that group. How, How sweet is that? I'm just going, who would have ever thought that that would be a combination? But I don't know. I just think that's really lovely. Yeah. I don't think I've answered your question on that, but that's <laughs> that was just all right. a side thought. <laughs> that's all right. Well, yeah, like I'm, um, it's just something I'm wrestling with and I'm thinking through at the moment, like I yeah, said, at my I own phase yeah. of maturation, you know, and yeah. just thinking it yeah. through. And so I, I think yeah, it's yeah. an interesting topic yeah. to grapple with as a church yeah. and as an organization. Yeah. Um, but that's all right. Um, I guess I can um, turn the page maybe and, and speak a little bit. You said you're um, preaching three services. Um, maybe talk to me about uh, maybe talk to me about the background. So either work, talk me through uni, talk me through um, maybe a strengthening of that conviction um, and and what you believe so that we can then kind of have a discussion around um, what that looks like, how that plays out, some of the challenges of that. And, and I'd love to just hear probably the early days of your experience with um, that call to be a pastor, that call to preach. Uh, I don't know that I've ever had a call to preach, but I've definitely n- never wanted to do anything else but ministry, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. the thing is, actually, you have... Um, Preaching is one of the things in terms of ministry, and if that gets taken away, that's a weird part, if that makes sense, in terms of, yeah, you're, you're uh, yeah, a Bible teacher, I guess, in terms of in ministry. So, yeah. Um, yeah, well, so it I sounds like I've, Julie. I, I, I'm so happy. Like I, uh, without showing my full, co- like my cards, I am. Um, sure. I'm not trying to sit in either camp and I'm actually trying to advocate for your voice and your desire to speak into this. So please don't feel squeamish at all um, in terms of, you know, speaking to either one of those different camps or anything like that. I just love to hear your experience. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Um, So I think you're basically, I'm always teaching Mm -hmm. (laughs) as a woman, even if, and, or I'm discipling someone, every single conversation you want to make worthwhile. Mm -hmm. You want to point them to Jesus. You want them to grow in their faith and you want them to be looking 
yeah, basing their life on scripture for themselves. So this is just what ministry is. I think my frustration has been um, that because I've had a few complementarian bosses and actually what was tricky was um, each boss had different rules about what I was allowed to do and what I wasn't allowed to do. So that was they were complementarian. I was happy to work with them because I love them and more committed to the ministry. But mm-hmm. uh, as a woman in ministry, I think I found that reasonably frustrating. I don't think I'm massively a gifted Bible teacher, um, but I've also, I think I could have grown in that a lot more if I'd had more opportunities as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, of course. Um, do you yeah. hold that as like a strong theological conviction? Do you, you know, do you use the E word or do you use the, you know, do you, do you say like, yes, I'm a practicing egalitarian or or is it just something that is just innate in what you do? As you said, you're a Bible teacher because it comes with discipleship of the word. Is that something that like a flag that you plant for yeah. yourself? In a- well, no, well, I would actually foremost say that I'm an evangelist rather mm-hmm. than a Bible teacher, but um, I'm, I would say that I didn't really have a conviction either way for a fairly long time, but um, and I would have said I was about a sixty percent egalitarian, um, but I'm I've probably become a bit more convinced about that. And but I also don't consider it as being the main thing. As in, the main thing is we want people to know Jesus, um, but I also really feel convicted that there's so much work to do we all need to be on board and you need to give everybody as many opportunities as possible so I am probably a I raise a lot of women up in terms of going these women are so unbelievably gifted and it would be a bit sad if they weren't given opportunities I guess so um yeah so I I guess that's my conviction <laughs> yeah that's so good no I, sister I'm, I'm for you I'm with you I'm uh look I I it's funny you use 60 percent I don't know where I am on the spectrum but I like I just I love biblical truth and I I'm not I'm definitely um closer to the center than I once was um yeah. and so and and part of this journey actually in season two is finding out man what are these things as never lived as a woman. I don't know that experientially. I don't know the, the, the challenges. And I'm actually seeking to upskill myself and learning and, and hearing a lot of these things. Women talking about being felt like second-class citizens in churches and, and hearing that afresh. That's really hard for me. I've never lived that. And so I'm seeking to understand that a bit more. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear about the what you um, teach younger women, but for starters, I'd love to hear what strengthened that conviction to you, for you. So what made you like a 60, maybe, you know, at some point in your life. And then you're really like, you know what, actually, I think this is something I want to grab and run with and, and, you know, um, take hold of. Was there anything that really helped you in that space to, to be convinced of that or. Um, specific teaching or yeah. markers or anything like that, that yeah. was, you know, along your journey, like, you know what, this yeah. is where how I, I believe God is leading me in this way. Yeah. So when I first started working about AFES, I realized actually I'm going to need to make, need to make a decision on this. And 
Um, so I did quite a bit of reading at that point. The thing is, um, the language of complementarian egalitarian is actually sort of fairly new in that it's not, you know, a long, long time. And I feel like people just slowly working out what that is. (laughs) Um, and so I feel like, yeah, I probably was, yeah, about a 60%. I think in the last few years working for AFES, as, you know, you get more senior and you, like I realised, actually I am good at leading. <laughs> and um, there was uh, l- limited opportunities at that point, I guess. And, yeah, the board was working out who we are as an organisation and, yeah, what do we encompass, that sort of stuff. And I just went, I think I need to be more convinced myself in terms of this sort of stuff. Um, there's some really great literature now in terms of it was interesting the difference in that sort of 15 years I guess there's just more and more thoughtful sort of stuff around uh finally feminists by um John Wood Stackhouse I think it is um great book yeah like there's some really um good things so I think I just got more and more convinced over time um yeah, and also when you are in that position of going, like when you're in the low ranks, you're not even thinking about mm. leadership and that sort of stuff. But as you get older and you work out, actually, I'm reasonably <laughs> competent. Yeah. Um, what does this mean now then in terms of me as a woman in leadership and what do I think theologically about that? So I think you've just got to wrestle with it a bit more as you get older. Yeah. Of course, yeah. And yeah, there's always that. Um, I, I would assume that'd be very hard to see a ceiling when you're like, I'm pretty sure I can sit at that table. Or, you know, there's uh, in terms of the gifting, in terms of the skill set and all those things, that would be hard yeah. to just have that kind of invisible ceiling, but there. Or or maybe it is quite visible. I don't, I don't know how you. Yeah. And it. you've got to really work hard about what's really important to you. So you've got to work out is the ministry really important to you or is um, actually you, God using the giftings you have, is that more important at this point in time? And, and what, yeah, I often think what would I say to God in terms of as I meet him, what, how have I lived my life? And I would want it to be, yeah, as a humble follower of Jesus, yeah, and that I've used the gifts that he's given me and gone hard with that. So, yeah, you just... Yeah, you want to be accountable, I guess, in terms of your own faith and taking on, I guess, um, what you think Scripture's saying in those areas. So, hmm. So good. <laughs> well, how, how do you counsel young women who are desiring, like of, like yourself, you wanted to be in ministry, you just knew that was like, yep, I want to be there. And, um, yep. and I've heard from a couple others that, you know, some do and then some don't pursue because of this ceiling or, you know, uh, or, or the inconsistencies that you said, there's certain pastors that were like, you know, you can do this, you can't do that. And so what, what's some of your wisdom look like to the young women that you're now discipling? What's that look like? Uh, like I love being in ministry and um, I think we just need more and more people. Like there's just so much work to do. So I, I'm a really a big advocate of women getting into ministry. There will be issues along the way, but that's okay. Like there's just so much to do. 
Um, and we need everybody on board, basically. So that's my my general line. Erica, I think you had Erica on before. Mm. Yeah, she's one of the women that I've really wanted to see grow. She's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just so many really gifted, amazing women around. So, yeah, just champion them on. Yeah. I feel... Um... Oh, might be clunky in a conversation. I feel like you feel quite mitigated in that response, Julie. Like I, I do wonder, um, like, like uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel a barrier um, in in the midst of like what is um, really stepping it. Like I'm not trying to step into that conflict for the sake of stepping into the conflict, but I'm also just curious to know. Um, because there would be, I would assume, women listening with that, like, this isn't fair, this sucks, or this, you know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't be this way, or I, I see this inconsistency here. And so, um, like, I know I'm probably asking more of you, but I do wonder, is there anything left uh, or anything more out of that response as it relates to, um, a vo- like, a voice for not just the universality of, of women, but um, or, or ministry, sorry, but rather um, how to help the next generation, I guess, navigate that. And uh, Like, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, complementarians are really convicted and they need to answer before God as well. So, mm. Um, I hear that as well. So part of it is women have got to work out what they think and men as well um, mm. because, yeah, and be convinced. I'm just, I'm, mm. I want people to read widely. So, like, I read complementarian stuff, I read egalitarian stuff, um, and we both need to have an understanding of the other side is how I would say and because it's not, you know, people have been disagreeing on this for quite yeah. a while. Actually, we need to hold this a bit more lightly, I think, than some people do because it is a, a contested issue, I guess. Um, yeah, so, so, but at the same time, it needs to be put in perspective in that there's a lot of things that are unfair like it is really unfair that there are so many people in this world who just actually don't have enough to eat. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I want to put it in that perspective as well in that, yeah, so, yeah, sure, this is um, potentially unfair for women, but, like, if that is a problem, move churches. <laughs> it's sort of like there are other churches who don't hold that position, find a church that works for you. Do you know what I mean? Like as in... Yeah. Yep. We don't have to make this into a, a, a too big a deal. Let's actually just get on and yeah. do what works. But be informed, like read up, do don't be dumb about this in terms of don't don't I, I shouldn't have said that, but don't let other people make this decision for you. We're actually all accountable before God in terms of how we've done this, gone about things. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm I'm sorry if that pressed you too much, but I'm actually really glad I did because here's the bit that I think is really helpful to hear for myself or for anyone else listening. Um, 
love is the thing. Uh, like um, we will, uh, accountability to God is the thing. Working out our submission and fear and trembling is the thing, right? So it's all of those things that are the primary. And I know I'm really picking at you for the secondary, um, but but um, I'm just, I, I feel like it's a conversation of our generation and maybe it's the culture that I come from, or maybe it's the circles and the conversations that I have. Um, yeah. And that, that was my prompting and, and trying to grill you yeah. more. But I hear you in that, like that, other wisdom, that next level wisdom that says, you know what, we need to start looking at the bigger picture and a lot of these things. And so I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you get to my age, I'm like 53. I've, it's a bit like 20 years in student ministry. We've gone over this a thousand times. Yeah. But I, I want to keep having that conversation with younger people. But yeah, it is making sure we keep this in perspective yeah, that's good. Sorry, the last thing I'm going to leave you on, it's so funny. There's a guy, did you catch a movie called Into the Wild, uh, maybe about two decades ago? Or Okay, anyways, long story short, it's a guy that um, rips up his credit cards, his driver's license, et cetera, just goes nuts and, and just sets off on a journey. Yeah. Part of his journey, he meets this guy um, in, a, in a real place uh, called the Salt, Salton Sea, Salt Sea in Southern California. And he believe, he's a Christian. He believes he was on a mission to create this mound of trash out in the desert in a, in nowheresville yeah and um you can look him up his name's leonard in, in the salton sea and uh -huh. i can send you the link but what's so beautiful about leonard is he's been out there and a bit of this kind of john the baptist like man is this guy for real type of life but he is um god is love everywhere that's his statement it's just god is love god is love god is love and he's had so many conversations over time over time and i can hear you like i just i ache for that uh like being an old man and just getting back to the, the big picture, Jesus is love, God is love, you know, wherever we land on some of these 20 years of, you know, yeah. all this kind of minutia and all this other talk. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to say that. And I, I wanted to thank you for that. Uh, I understand. Yeah. Yep. Knowing and loving God is, yeah, to totally all that this is about. <laughs> and yeah, we want, people to know that but that's my evangelist heart coming out <laughs> so good well i'll let you off the hook today julia yeah. um is there anything you want to plug or is there anything that more that if we haven't talked about that you'd like to say some closing comments oh it's lovely to get to know you and yeah looking forward to hearing more from you dom <laughs> thanks julie well i may just um come off record and, and hang out for one more minute if that's okay yep thanks okay. for your time today julie <laughs> Hey friends, thanks so much for listening today. If you found this episode helpful, please do share it with a friend. We want others to uh, embrace this unscripted life, this uh, life apart from promotion or perfection, but honesty and purity and love. So until we catch up again, let's consider how we may spur each other on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, but encouraging each other as we see the day approaching. Love you guys, peace.